Today on From A to Z. Black Country Rock! Welcome to From A to Ziggy. This is the podcast in which we listen to every single David Bowie song in existence from A to Z. My name is Thomas. And I am Travis. And today we're talking about Black Country Rock. Yeah. I like this song. I like this song a lot. Um... Not a ton to say about it, unfortunately, but I really like the song a lot. Yeah, this song doesn't have a whole lot to say for itself. No, either. it's, um... It's from, well, we should we can say something. We, it, it's from uh, 1971, yep. right? Uh, uh, came out in November of 71 on uh, The Man Who Sold the World, Bowie's yes. metal record. I don't know, so, so Pushing Ahead of the Dame referred to it as filler, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't really call it filler. I, I, I look at this song as kind of like a palate cleansing kind of in between some of the intensities. What songs does it come between? This is right after All the Mad Men and right before After All. It's before After All. Yeah. It's not after before all. It's not after before all. It's before after all. <clears throat> um, yeah, so so between two two songs about basically chaotic mindsets. Yeah. This is a this is a relaxing song. It this is. is. This is a It's this a kickback and relax and roll your windows down 1970s blues rock song. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Um, so it came about from just a jam, basically, between Tony Visconti and Mick Ronson. It, it feels like the kind of song that probably came out of them, just like they had some downtime in the studio and they just happened to be screwing around and playing this riff, which I spent the longest time listening to this song trying to remind, like, figure out what does this riff remind me of so much. And the lead in the beginning sounds so much like Mississippi Queen hmm, by, by Mountain. Oh, you'll have to remind me what that is. It's, uh... Can you sing a few bars? I don't know any of the lyrics beyond Mississippi Queen. It's like the first lyrics in the song. I don't know this one. It's got like that... Like, you... It's... Strangely enough, I don't know this song. You would definitely... You'd know if you heard it. It's been in, like, every beer commercial ever. I'll have to look it up. The the main lick really reminded me a lot of it. It is just, like, this really silly... Which riff? Um... See, now all I can hear in my head is Mississippi Queen. That, like, in the beginning. Just, yeah. like, that main, like, hooky yeah. guitar riff. So which one came first, do you think? Mountain um, or... Mountain came out about a year prior. Okay. Oh, uh, I felt like I had to, like, Google that as soon as I knew it. I was like, all right, who ripped whom off? Or, yeah. who, like, nicked a riff from whom? But I suspect if I really, like, went back through, like, all the 70s blues rock, I know I could probably find, like, four or five other songs that have very similar riffs. Like, it's a really generic riff of from rock and roll of that time it's not like it'd be any kind of like i mean really and this is not a dig at blues rock but really how much can you do it's true it does kind of start to sound the same after a little while i don't listen to a ton but like i'm also one of those people who like worships at the altar of led zeppelin yeah so i got you know i can do some blues rock but it's true like you do after a little while if you listen to a bunch of other bands like, all right, I need to break from this because it does start to sound pretty repetitive after a while, says the person who listens to reggae. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to a lot of repetitive music and then I had to defend it to people. Do people not appreciate repetitive music? I guess not. I feel like people should appreciate repetitive music. I feel like people should appreciate... Do people not appreciate repetitive music? There's something to appreciate about repetition. Yeah. I really appreciate I it. Pre- I love repetition. I appreciate it. I like Philip Glass a lot. I like Aphex Twin. Um... I like extended dance remixes on 12-inch singles of songs. Repetition is fun. So, uh, I appreciate it. There's, it's a really simple song. 
It is. And, and it kind of feels like a nice break, even like when you're not even just listening to the album, but if you're just listening to a lot of David Bowie at a time. It is nice to listen to a David Bowie sometime, songs sometimes when he's not trying to innovate. He's just like, just playing a song for fun. Yeah, something that's not too heady, doesn't yeah. have uh, obscure lyrics. Yeah, you're not like cross-referencing it against like Nietzsche. Yeah. <laughs> when you're listening to it, you're just like having a drink and listening to Black Country Rock. Yeah, this is the song that you uh, you put on your pickup truck stereo while you park under the bridge with your good old boys. Yeah. And drink drink some Miller Lite. Like, this song feels like it should be in a soundtrack to a movie that takes place in the 70s with a bunch of high school kids coming of age and driving around late at night. Yeah, it's kind of, it's almost like a Led Zeppelin song. If, if Led yeah. Zeppelin made a song that they made a movie like that based on, then it would be like that. They should make a movie. Uh, which Richard Linklater should make. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, this does feel like this should have been in a Richard Linklater movie already. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, you're right. It was Tony Visconti and Mick Ronson in the studio doing a jam. They brought Bowie in, and he listened to it. He was kind of not too impressed, didn't know what to do with it, but they were pretty pushed, pretty uh, pressed to put something else on the record. They literally needed some filler. And so Bowie wrote some quick lyrics to this one and recorded them. And so he recorded the lyrics. It's just one verse and one chorus repeated. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the last verse, he starts doing these ululations and yeah, mellows. kind of like a little uh, little nod. And uh, I, I think that's that's where the the Mark Bolin yeah, where he um, he said he from. ran out of lyrics and decided I'm going to do a Mark Bolin impression. Yeah, right. But then it gets, it actually does get pretty interesting. Like there's some good oh, yeah. riffing at the end. Like it gets in, it falls into this, like, as I tend to reference anytime we talk about anything from Man Who Sold the World, it gets into this like Black Sabbath heavy riff that like, towards the end. Yeah. And then right as it like hits that like fade out right around the 30 second mark, it almost has like this more just straightforward bluesy, like jazzy, bluesy it just, outro. It just goes on and on, just like the music takes over. It's, yeah. It's, it's not a lyrical song anymore. It's just a jam. It's just like this bluesy jam that just like takes over the whole space, which makes sense. So all the credit for this song, except for the lyrics and the weird Mark Bolin imitation, all the credit goes really to Bolin, to uh, Ronson and Visconti, who developed it and Ronson for putting together the arrangement. It's, it's, this, it's a really simple verse chorus, verse chorus structure with some guitar solos, some yeah. pretty good guitar solos. And he bolsters it using these four riffs, basically. There's two in the verse, two in the chorus, and each of them is different enough to stand apart and they kind of punctuate the song to sort of keep time in the song. Uh, Chris O'Leary used the word pointillist when he was describing it. He's sort of like, he's taking these small elements and building something bigger out of them. So he's sort of like putting Lego bricks together to build um, a structure out of it, except guitar. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, it, and lyrically, I guess it, a lot of it was thrown together on the fly, which um, that was kind of a thing, I guess, where they had there's this notion that he was so preoccupied with his wife that the rest of the band would be working on songs and he'd just, David Bowie was just kind of like hanging out on the couch with his wife and they'd be like, hey David, we need to like lay down this, this vocal and he would just kind of like pop up and do it. 
And I guess there were some insinuations that he hadn't written quite as much of it as he had. And, I mean, so if you look at the liner notes, the credit for writing the songs is all David Bowie. Yeah. But for sure, this song is not all David Bowie. Yeah, actually, but... Um, the music, at least. On Spotify, it actually is the only song on there where the credit comes up as Bowie Visconti. Oh, but not Bo- Bowie Visconti Ronson. Yeah, it just comes up David Bowie, Tony Visconti, and everything huh. else. Oh, and, and The Man Who Sold the World. Huh. Interesting. Uh, Speaking of Visconti, this, uh, this song was also a B-side to the single Holy Holy. Yes. Interestingly enough. But then David Bowie, in a, an interview in 98, said, quote, I really did object to the impression that I did not write the songs on the main soul world. You only have to check out the chord changes. No one writes chord changes like that. I guess Bowie, it was Bowie way to defend himself. Bowie said that of himself? Yeah. Okay. No one writes a chord change like David Bowie. <laughs> I mean, it's true. No yeah. one does, uh, because Bowie's not like trained in music theory, so he's not constrained to to doing things in a sensible way. But it's kind of odd for him to say that of himself. Yeah, it's like it's very it's it's like the Shakespeare kind of, coming and saying nobody writes sonnets like Shakespeare. It's the of kind of self awareness that comes with thirty years in the biz. By that point, just <laughs> being like, I'm David Bowie. Of course, I wrote this stuff. But despite his annoyance, um, despite Tony Visconti being kind of annoyed, he still calls it his favorite. He said, and I, and I have to point it out just because it's, it's a reverse of a phrase that comes up so often with any of the stuff that we talk about in the 80s. It says that it was his, uh, his best work with Bowie until Scary Monsters. Hmm. Feels like we spent so much time saying the best since Scary Monsters. And finally, we get to see the flip side of that. Yeah, right. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I think best since Scary Monsters is going to come up again tonight. Uh, this week. This uh, week. Later on. Uh, soon. Soon. On, a, on an upcoming episode. In an upcoming episode. On a very special From A to Ziggy. Uh, do I have this right? Was, was Scary Monsters, did Tony Visconti call that his favorite David Bowie album? Or was it The Man Who Sold the World? Um, he said it was um, rated his best work with Bowie until 1980's Man Who Sold the World. Or 1980s Scary Monsters. Um, but I think in like interviews leading up to the show, that they, the tribute show, he had said that the reason why they do it is because Man Who Sold the World is their favorite. So that's why they do it front to back every night. Well, they do it because both of them, Tony and Woody, were right. on that album. Um, they're both great albums. They are both great albums. It's just so funny that it always comes up. Well, chalk up another you know, critical point for both... Man Who Sold the World, and Scary Monsters. Yeah. These are clearly going to emerge as the ultimate, the best Bowie albums by the end of this. We'll, we'll see. I think, I think they will. They're top contenders. They are top contenders. There's one, we haven't, one album we haven't really touched much stuff off of that'll probably get in the discussion. We haven't really done anything off of Ziggy Stardust yet, I don't think. Oh, that one. That you know, one. I keep forgetting about that one. I don't know, maybe because it starts with a Z, it's like so far off. Yeah. Anything else about Black Country Rock? Uh, I mean, the last little note I have on there is that it just got titled because that was their provisional title of their jam. So I don't know if, maybe I, if they said, oh, we have this song, we've been calling it Black Country Rock. This sounds like a country rock song, and David Bowie's just like, I'm just going to weave that phrase in a bunch of times. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, there's not really a ton to dissect about it. It's a pretty just simple, fun song, mm-hmm. which when you're listening to Man Who Sold the World, it is kind of nice to have a nice, simple, fun song in there. 
Yeah, there's a lot of really heady stuff going on. Yeah. Especially especially those first two songs, The Width of a Circle. Yeah, you got this like 10-minute opener. Uh, song yeah. about mental health that just veers all over the place. And then right after it, this like almost Sgt. Pepper's era psychedelic acid song. Yeah. This is this is sort of an anchor point. This this yeah. keeps it from going too far out of space. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about the lyrics. They're pretty simple, pretty short. One thing that's always sort of confused me about these lyrics is that he literally uses the same word twice in the same line, except he does it twice. So the same two words are both used twice. Pack a pack horse up and rest up here. I don't know if that's intentionally uh, intentionally that way, if there's some, some rhythm to the words it, it had to like, have been just like the way he liked the way the words sounded together pack a pack horse up and rest up here like it's it just seems the pack i can i can understand because yeah that second of, pack you don't need technically i always thought it was back a pack horse up because why would you say the same word twice in the same line we've talked about internal rhyme before yeah with Bewley brothers right and this kind of like reduces that even further to Instead of like using words that rhyme with each other in the same line, it's just like using the same word in the same line. But up, up is what I don't understand. Pack a pack horse up and rest up here. It just sort of, I don't know. Maybe there's, I mean, there's something to the cadence of it. Yeah. It's, it makes it hard to sing along with because it does kind of turn into a tongue twister. Yeah. For a long time, I just thought I had the lyrics wrong. Like, am I really hearing that? But that's neither here nor there. It doesn't matter. It's much too hazy. Mm. So we may as well leave with Fond Adieu, but not before we rate this song. Um, I, um, I give this song three crazy views. Three crazy views? Three crazy views. Any... It's a really good song, but nothing really. Sure. It doesn't blow your socks off, but it doesn't disappoint you. It's just, yeah, it's just a good rock and roll song. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I agree, but I, I'd give it two Two of those views. Two crazy views. I would adopt another point of view. I give it two <laughs> crazy views. Just because it's, it's so, it's kind of, it's pretty mediocre. And even though three is the middle of the rating range, um, we're, this is not a mediocre Bowie song. This is just a mediocre song. <laughs> so it gets docked a little bit. Yeah, two crazy views. And that's that. All right. Any covers? Any alternate versions? I didn't see any. Any remixes? No, no remixes, no covers. Right. Yeah, I don't know any either. Black Country, did they do it live? We'll do it live. <laughs> did they ever do it live? <laughs> I bet they did. I mean, we kind of saw them do it live. We saw them We do saw a part live. of them do it live. And it was great. It was great. It was Especially, rocking. yeah, because they didn't, you know, I feel like when they, when they toured, it was, I feel like if they played this song live, it probably was just Mick Ronson playing guitar on it. Whereas having like the two guitars going, it was like... The thing is, they never played it. They never toured this album. Uh, right. That's the other reason Holy Holy exists, because they never toured this album. That is a shame. And it didn't sell well when it first came out. Yeah. Bowie's records didn't start selling well until Ziggy... I mean, I'm sure no one really knew what to make of them at that point. Yeah, right. You have a metal record lodged between two basically folk records. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so... That's all for Black Country Rock. Let's pack a pack horse up and 
uh, get dressed up. We yeah. got a black tie affair coming Putting up. Putting on the black tie. And um, we crank out some white noise. <laughs> white noise, oi, oi, oi. Noi, oi, Are we going to a punk show? <laughs> uh, no, we're going to uh, LA. We're going to check out black tie, white noise. Um, that's Friday on From A to Ziggy. Until then, you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. We're From A to Ziggy, from A to Ziggy.com. You can check out the page for this episode. Leave a comment. What did you think of Black Country Rock? Email us. Want to be a guest on From Me to Ziggy? Podcast at From Me to Ziggy.com. Keep those emails coming in, folks. Um, Twitter's, Facebook's email. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a review and a rating. And until Friday, I am Thomas. And I am Travis. And we bid you a fond adieu. Adieu! Spirit of Mark Bolin is in here. That's a spot on Mark Bolin <laughs> impression.